You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Most illustrious greetings to thee, O thou of the house of Bolton, surname Ethan, traveler from Philippines. That's not a surname. Oh, whoops. A surname is your last name. That's right. <laughs> oh, that's fun. We'll just keep that in for fun's um, sake. Oh, I'm glad I just don't have to think of something to match that level because... Yeah. Man, sometimes you just get in a roll when you just say things. Don't you ever. And you say them incorrectly. Yeah, been there. As our friend Zach would say, even angels fall. <laughs> Which is also arrogant because I've just put myself on the level of the angels. Well, you know what? One day those tables will turn. Wow, you're right. Because we judge angels. Yeah. Wow. Wild stuff. That is wild stuff. Man, we did a podcast on that. If I just piqued your interest, if Ethan just piqued your interest, he's the one who alluded to that. Love those. He did the thing. Weird little things. He is the guy who is on top of things. I'm looking for those arcane references. (laughs) Is this something not completely explained and sparking my imagination for years to come? What? The the entire book of Jude? What? (laughs) References to a behemoth? (laughs) Leviathan. Leviathan what? Nephilim. Did you say Nephilim? <laughs> Write that down. Yeah, Write love, that down. Write that down. I love all of that stuff. Oh, wow. Eternal was... Janes and gloomy darkness? <laughs> I can't stop myself. Christ preached to the spirit in prison? What? This is all my favorite things at once, and we're talking about yes. none of them today. None of them. We're not talking about the, <laughs> the, the oh, harrowing man. of hell. But yeah, we've done podcasts on actually all of those things, most, really. pretty much everything. Yes, we so, have. Wow. Great. Well, speaking of slightly arcane, perhaps. Maybe. You Certainly know? to some of us. Old. That some of us, what we're talking about that's arcane to. What am I, Yoda? What? <laughs> Why did I say it like that? Why are our sentence structures struggling so much today? Well, the subject today is arcane to me, so this is going to be pretty fresh. Wow, that's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah, that'll just, that'll get us right in there. Look at that. Beautiful segue. Once again, highlighting the segue. Love highlighting the segue in the podcast. I don't know why I love it so much. Someone stop me. Gosh. Never. Uh, well, one of the reasons, if you've spent any time around me, I'm sure you'll discover, perhaps to your chagrin, I'm quick to encourage the reading of books. Hmm. And one of the reasons I'm so quick to do that is because I think it's one of the most effective ways to, quote unquote, experience the world. Already, I'm feeling the creeping guilt. Oh, no. <laughs> My my unread, uncultured <laughs> self. See, that's the opposite of what I'm going for. <laughs> I can't remember who said this, but I picked it up somewhere, so this is not an original thought. But if you could live long enough to travel all over the world and have conversation with all different manner of people, and you could gain firsthand experience in all the great arenas of life, then maybe you could get by without reading books. Big statement. Yeah. But since none of us are going to live forever in this Flesh tent to quote Paul. This episode is getting so weird. (laughs) You want to talk about arcane arcane references? That's amazing. That's Second Corinthians five for you. I'm I'm maybe twisting his words a little bit. He doesn't exactly call it a flesh tent, but you know, getting us gross and weird in here. Anyway, you don't live forever. I mean, you do live forever, but you're gonna die one day. Man, this episode is so much fun. Since all of that is true, (laughs) I'm crying. 
I know. This is amazing. Our listeners are like, what is going on? It's like, is this normal? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. What did Ethan put in his coffee today? I, I don't know at this point. <laughs> Since all that I just referenced is true, and you have to read books if you want to even begin interacting with the great thinkers and ideas and conversations of the world. You just have to. That's the way you're going to do it. Most is. of them are dead, actually. Yeah, and most of those people are dead. And this is especially true for Christians because we're already people of the book. That's oh. a term that's used for us, right? Really? Like our whole foundation for our faith is found in a book, right? Yeah, we, yeah. we have this foundational belief that says God continues to speak to us by the written word in scripture. So, you know, as Christians, it behooves us to read that word, <laughs> right. to hear God speak. But there is also further value for Christians in reading what we might call the Christian classics. Books that have stood the test of time and speak truly about God, humanity, and pretty much everything in between. So when I talk about Christian classics, I'm not primarily talking about books that have been written in the past century or even really the past two centuries. I'm talking mostly about books written in the 1700s all the way back to the late first and early second century. Now, before anyone turns off this podcast, because I I understand, you know, we're getting into deep waters here, I will ask your indulgence. Because I think a lot of people deal with misconceptions about these so-called old books, Hmm. right? I guess they are old, so it's not like they're just so-called. But I think there are misconceptions we deal with in regards to these classics. And I think the two biggest are, one, I won't be able to understand a book that's Mm. classic because of its age. And then two, even if I can understand it, it won't have any relevance to me because of its age. Both of those. I think. Yeah, I think you pretty much nailed it too, especially the former, because I think even casual theological discourse can be hard to follow if you don't have like an academic understanding. Yeah, sure. It can be, right? Because mm-hmm. you can get yeah. into pretty deep waters yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah. And I think there are probably a handful of similar books in this sphere that I've been enticed to read, sure, religious yeah. or not, but I've just felt too intimidated or unmotivated to try and grapple with something like that. And I, you know, I don't know what I'm getting into. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, the way I'd liken it, and I think I'm stealing this from C.S. Lewis, but when you come to a book that's written by, I mean, let's take a a quote-unquote secular example, like Plato's Republic, Mm -hmm. part of that, I think, is the intimidation you would feel if someone was like, hey, do you want to meet Plato, like in real life, (laughs) and like try to talk to him, like, no, 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 I do not. I don't want to feel like an idiot today. Exactly. (laughs) Like, Not in front of Plato, but let me just echo for sure, this is definitely a thought that came from the inimitable C.S. Lewis, and say that part of the reason that these books are considered classics in the first place is because of how relatively easy they are to understand. Oh, I guess I'll just eat my words. (laughs) Well, if you think about it, it makes sense. These books have endured because not just pastors and academic theologians, but also lay people in the church have kept reading them. Hmm. Like, I feel like if just pastors, for example, were saying, oh, these books are classics, (sighs) that's a pretty small audience to keep a book in circulation. Yeah, Yeah. And these classics there are a lot of people who still read them and still, I mean, you'll get republished editions of these books all the time. This is almost constantly happening. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, like we came up with a new edition of The Confessions by Augustine or right. Religious Affections by Jonathan Edwards. This is almost constantly happening because people are still buying them and still reading them. And the best books after all are those which 
take complex concepts or truths and present them in simple, not simplistic, but simple, clear language. So in many cases, especially if you grab a modern translation of a classic, you'll have little issue understanding the books. In fact, you'll probably have more trouble if you just read a book about the book, you know? I mean, how many people have written books about Plato that are probably more dense than Plato was himself, you know? (laughs) Yeah, well, I see you know how long I've been trying to read books on Plato. (laughs) (laughs) But um, it reminds me how you might find yourself thinking about a new movie, and you go look up Mm -hmm. reviews, and the top result is such and such ending explained. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh man, what am I getting into? Like, you know you're about to watch something borderline existential or something just written by Christopher Nolan. (laughs) It's like, it's going to be heavy. It's going to be complex. Yeah. And taking your example there, imagine just going into, say, like the theater and just experiencing the film. Mm -hmm. You're more likely to be able to just get into the experience and take away the bulk of it. Yeah. Knowing like, oh, okay, this makes sense. Right. Like, I guess if I had read a review of Tenet before I went to see it. Oh, my word. I would have been, I think, more confused going in. I definitely would have been. So I think you get that same kind of effect with some of these like classic books is, you know, you read some book that was written about the book that you're thinking about. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I can't. Like the this guy's kind of blew it up. The videos yeah. that you watched made it seem yeah. insane. This is crazy. And actually, it's really not so much because mm. these guys took, for the most part, really, again, complex concepts maybe, but they wrote in language that people could understand without necessarily needing a PhD. Yeah, it's almost like the books about the books are for people who are already so deep in, they're having extended discourse about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's a great observation. It's actually second level stuff. It's not the introductory stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a great point. Now, to the Second misconception, these books are also considered classic because of how universal they are in their scope and application. Mm -hmm. Um, In other words, even though some of these books may have been written 2,000 years ago almost, they still ring true because they are saying true things. As the old saying goes, you know, times may change, but human nature doesn't change. Mm, That's a good point. I think we make those allowances for all kinds of art, for movies like Citizen Kane, for poetry, for paintings. Like there are landmark works in every discipline that either define the art or evolve the art. Hopefully they, they reach into us and and pull something out or show us something new. Why would books be exempt from that? Yeah, exactly. And just because something is modern or new doesn't automatically mean it's good. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Nor does it automatically mean that it's bad. Uh But I do think that's a part of this misconception of thinking like, well, in order for something to be truly relevant to my life, it has to be closer to my times. Like it has to have been written in a context that's exactly like mine in every way, shape, and form. Yeah, so like a modern or new book That doesn't mean it's necessarily even relevant. Good doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it's modern and new. That's like, that's all it means. And the same goes for old books. I mean, just because they're old doesn't mean that they're automatically bad or good. It just means that they're old. But the thing about old classic books, and this again is borrowing wholesale from C.S. Lewis, um... (laughs) The thing about old classic books is that they act as a sort of fresh sea breeze from the past that can refresh our souls and cleanse our palate, so to speak. Mm. There is something unique about that that you don't get from a modern book. I think, for example, just to hearken on this point a little more, I think we can have this kind of chronological snobbery that says we're dealing with completely unique situations and no one's ever faced times like ours. And in some senses, that might be true. But I think you'll be surprised if you read really old books just how much 
guys and girls were dealing with, that is what we're dealing with today. Sure. Because again, human nature tends to deal with the same problems, just in different situations and different circumstances. And that's really what has changed. It's like the circumstances and the situations that we find ourselves in. But like the same issues, we've been wrestling with those from the beginning, really. I mean, especially if you take it from a Christian framework, the issues of sin and forgiveness and becoming fully human and what that looks like and how we're supposed to live with our neighbors, all those things. And the classics deal with them those things. Ooh, yeah, the world around us, our circumstances and our means have continued to evolve yeah. and change, but the human soul, yeah. it's, it's it's the same formula. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it has all of those same pitfalls. Mm-hmm. So in that spirit, and because we love these kinds of books so much and hope that you will too, I thought it would be both helpful and fun, if I'm being perfectly honest, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that's who I'm as a person, to occasionally do a sort of overview slash reader's guide to some Christian classes classics because I do talk to a lot of people who have wanted to pick up some classic books that you know you'll hear a reference maybe in a sermon or some author that you'll oh. be brought into contact with you know someone will quote yeah. you know Ambrose or Augustine or Jonathan Edwards or Luther you know any of these guys they'll quote in some like article or podcast or blog and like I want to read this guy but ugh, like I don't even know where to begin I don't know how to get into a book if I pick one yeah. so I thought you know this would be good and fun to kind of do an overview of some of these really classic works. And the hope is that you'll not think of these so much as spark notes or cliff notes, but rather as a a map that will orient you to what's going on in the book and guide you through it. Mm. So we don't want that like second level discourse where it's like, oh my gosh, you've made things more complicated than they actually are. The idea with these is we'll just kind of give you an overview that will help you navigate through the book if you want to read it. And that will still give you a general outline of the themes that will be helpful in the event that, okay, maybe you never pick that book up, but you would still have a general layout of what the book is about. So so the hope, though, is that you will pick them up and read them, you know, and benefit from them. That would be awesome, you know. We can be nerds together and talk about, you know, whatever. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I was actually kind of secretly hoping to get us started into a book on this episode, mm-hmm. but, you know, the setup always takes longer than Fair one enough. imagines. So we will have to postpone our first discussion for another episode at a later date. But the next time we pick this up, whenever that may be, keep you on the edge of your oh. seat here, keep you on your toes, figure out when that's going to happen, we'll pick up a book that is an acknowledged classic by many folks, including plenty of non-Christians. Really? In fact, yes, this book kind of actually invented a genre. What? Yeah, it did. This particular type of book was the first of its kind that had really ever been written in the way it was written. And it was written by our favorite church father. Uh-huh. I'm putting that into a lot of people's mouths. He's my favorite church father. But this book was the Confessions of St. Augustine. And that is where we will begin. So an acknowledged classic and one that's great to read through. So if you wanted to pick it up, you can do that. Read it now. You, know, go, you, don't, yeah, know, you, you don't know when we're going to pick the series up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's worthwhile. I, I, I promise. It's a, it's a great read. So... Yeah, that's it. Thanks, as always, for listening. If uh, you have any questions about this or you have any recommendations, if there are any Uh. books that you have been thinking about or wanting to read that kind of fall in that classic realm, shoot that to us in an email, podcast at horizonschurch.net, or you can send it to us via social media. And that book might show up as one of the books that we go over in this discussion. It'd be news to me because I couldn't tell you a single one. It's all new. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> and uh, if you'd like to leave an honest five-star review in the iTunes podcast area, that'd be great. That'd be great. You could write a classic review. Maybe one that will go down in the ages as an example of, mm. is that possible? Actually, I don't know. Paragon but. of reviews. <laughs> Paragon. I love that word. It's such that a great word. That's a great word. Mm. That's a great word. 
Paragon of reviews. Paragon of... Look for excuses to use it. (laughs) (laughs) And we found one right here. Thank you, as always, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Mm -hmm.